Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Theme Park Podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Great Scott, Josh, is that you? Ah, I've made it back to the future, buddy! Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. It's been a, it's been a very exciting day for you, Josh. I, I, I usually like to think that this podcast is the highlight of your weekend, but very often. I'll accept that that is absolutely not the case this time, this time round, because you have met Hollywood royalty I mere hours have. ago. Mere hours ago, I have Christopher Lloyd, me and him, best buds now. Can't be on the podcast anymore because me and Christopher Lloyd are just going to hang out every weekend. Yeah, you actually recorded a podcast with him, right? Yes. The Patreon? Yeah. That's, uh, that definitely happened. You know, I, I knew you were doing this today and I totally forgot to suggest that you get him, that you just record him saying you're listening to the Park Rush podcast just so that we can have that. And I'm annoyed that I forgot to. I had the idea maybe yesterday or the day before and then just completely forgot to ever tell you. Tom, I barely had the time to say hello. He cut you off before you could even say there. <laughs> It's true. It was, uh, yes. So I went to the London Comic Con, a London film and Comic Con today. Literally, I was queuing up to see him. They're like, right, stand here. And then the person in front of you walks off because they've just had their photo done. And straight away, like that, you're in, you're sat, you're in, next to him, photo taken. He's like, right, next. And you're off again. And you're just waiting for your photo at that point. It's not like a theme park where there's a guy with a camera and then you can ask him to take the picture with about four different smartphones and do different poses. There's none of that. Uh, there is none of that now, unfortunately. What what possessed you to do this, considering I think my my main takeaway from doing Hollywood Studios Galaxy's Edge on May the 4th was this put me off ever wanting to do <laughs> a Comic-Con type event. Given that I said that, what made you, or you know, what made you put yourself through this? Well, first of all, I still will say this is not the main London Comic Con. The main one is the MCM Comic Con that happens at the London XL, um, which is a much bigger venue. And I'm not sure I want to go through that. Um, but basically, my nephew wanted to go to see uh, Stephen Amell and David Ramsey, who play uh, Arrow and Diggle from the TV show. Arrow. Diggle? Yeah, yeah. I, d I don't know, man. Isn't that a Pokemon? It's a Pokemon, isn't it? Diggle? <laughs> yeah, so that's an evolution of Diglett, dig right? Uh, yeah, oh, so he wanted God. to go. So my mum was like, yeah, I'll take you. But then my mum was like, I don't want to go and be the only adult there. Will you please come with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I was booking the tickets like, holy hell, Christopher Lloyd's got to be there. I'll get a photo with him while I'm there. Sure, why not? You didn't get any Park Rush content, though. Any? Uh, I was contemplating it, and then, it, but uh, I kind of turned up with the intention of getting some content, and it was kind of it wasn't didn't really have that vibe. So um, I got some photos. I'll stick some photos on the uh, on the Twitter, uh, and and I got some video, but uh, it's it's nothing too exciting. I wouldn't say, other than obviously I met Christopher Lloyd. Well, yes, of course. I mean, I met. I met Christopher Lloyd as well at Universal Studios a few years ago, uh, not to brag, but uh, and he was in the full get-up, Josh. I even had a conversation with the guy, oh. so it sounds like a much better experience. It, it does. He warned me 
not to have a burrito three days from the point that I met him because it would give me uh, an absolutely shocking bellyache. So I took his advice. I did not have a burrito three days later and I was fine. So he knows what he's talking about, that Doc Brown. <laughs> Maybe we should go to the MCM one at the XL. We could dress up as Thing Park things. What, what uh, would you dress up as if you if Thing Parks was the theme of your Comic Con outfit? Oh, what would, what would you go as? Yeah, I don't know. It'd have to be. I feel like it'd have to be very Thing Park specific. Uh, I could go as Ed Euromouse. <laughs> you, you could go as Euromouse. Yes. Yeah, I could get behind that. He goes Euro Mouse. That'd be funny. Sure. Everyone would be like, oh, you Mickey Mouse. No. I'm Ed. I'm Ed. The best mouse. Come on. My yeah, favourite That mouse. sounds like an... How much do you think it is to go to the London MCM Comic Con? Like a billion pounds? Uh, well, it was £25 to get into this place before you then paid for tickets uh, to see, to like get your photos and your... Uh, and that sort of thing. So I would imagine it's more than that. The next oh, London man. one is in November. It's 25 quid, so it's same price, actually. We are going to the XL in September for a Jurassic World exhibition, which seems like it might give you a bit of a, a sort of Jurassic Park, you know, theme park hit. Some of the stuff there looks very similar to what you would expect to see at the Universal Jurassic Park attractions. So that, that could be quite fun. Yeah, for sure. And of course, Jurassic Park is a big part of Islands of Adventure, which is what we're actually here to talk about today. We are continuing to... I know, thank you very much. I'm a pro. Uh, we are continuing to make our way through the Florida theme parks that I visited in April and May, uh, doing our trip reports. We did Universal Studios last week, and uh, yeah, today it's the turn of Islands of Adventure, so... As we have been doing with these trip reports, I'm going to let Josh kind of take us through uh, and I will do my best to explain, describe my time at this park in the different lands, eating the different food, riding the different rides and uh, give any advice and tips and feedback that I can. So Josh, cue the incredible port of entry music and it's over to you. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, first of all, uh, when I walk into Islands of Adventure, as I do with any theme park, I pick up a paper map. And can I just say, the Islands of Adventure paper map right now is a very nice-looking map. I've got it up right here in front of me. Um, it's it's artsy, but in a very informative way, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. It's very, very nice-looking. Artsy in an informative way. <laughs> Now, if that's not a Park Crush slogan just waiting to be written down. <laughs> it's the name of our new show. Uh, slogan for our new show. Uh, we, we've discussed, I think, in past podcasts, and we've also had uh, Pastor John on to discuss theme parks, uh, Islands Adventure and Universal specifically. But you have a kind of uh, interesting way of tackling these parks now with the, uh, uh, the new rides that have appeared in... Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Jurassic Park. How do you do that? Because you don't head to those two big rides straight away. Is that correct? That is indeed correct, yes. Uh, John and I, while I was still out there, we did do an episode which, rather than do a kind of comprehensive trip report, we tried to frame it more around tips and, and, and advice for how best to make the most of your time 
at Islands of Adventure if you don't have early entry. So I would recommend going back to listen to that. Uh, you should, shouldn't have to scroll back too far to find that episode. But just to kind of get to the point for the purposes of this, it's essentially to pretend that Velocicoaster, which opened last year, and uh, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, bless you, uh, which, <laughs> or bless me rather, yeah. uh, which opened in 2019, pretend that they do not exist if you don't have early entry. Essentially because if you rock up to go in at nine o'clock with the rebel, then Ugh. everyone who has early entry, and these are people who are staying on site, they've had a whole hour potentially to get into the park ahead of you. And invariably, these people are going to Hagrid and Velocicoaster, which means that come nine o'clock when you're going in there, the queues for those two rides are already extremely long. And so far as I can tell, if you were then to go straight to those rides, you're looking at maybe a two-hour queue for Hagrid, probably an hour, maybe a tad more for Velocicoaster. That tended to be about where they maxed out, I'd say. The, the, hon- the highest I saw Hagrid over the course of my time there this year was about 130 minutes. The longest I saw Velocicoaster was about 75. Okay. But first thing in the morning, they're probably around two hours and an hour, respectively. Yeah. And the issue is that if you go to those first and knock those out, which seems like the obvious thing to do quite a lot of the time, right? You go and do the most popular rides first. But of course. the problem you're going to have is that by the time you're off those rides, everyone who was in before you has done them and gone off to do the other stuff. And by the time you're getting to things like Hulk and Spider-Man and the OG Harry Potter and things like that, those are all potentially 45-minute, hour-long waits. And you're kind of ending up with the worst of all worlds there. So our approach was to, as I say, pretend those two rides don't exist and just do islands as we always have done, which is is go left and do your Marvel rides and then rock up to Jurassic Park and the original Harry Potter and then, you know, come back round and, you know, we might pop in the zoo stuff and then we get breakfast and then we kind of regroup and go from there. But, yes, our start to Islands of Adventure is very much Marvel first and ignore Velocicoaster and Hagrid. Well, Disney would like you to ha- see it no other way, quite frankly. Uh, Marvel first, uh, Universal products later. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Funnily enough, actually, I mean, I think, speaking of Disney, traditionally I always thought that, well, what is kind of the, the, the start of theme park days to end all start of theme park days? Traditionally it was always like, well, it doesn't get any better than Splash, Thunder Space Mountain oh. as an opening as an opening trifecta of rides. That was just kind of vintage. I, I've come round to the idea, actually, that my favourite start to a theme park day might actually now be Hulk, Spider-Man, Doctor Doom. Wow. I think that's actually my favourite start to the day. I have really come, I don't know why, but I think it is, especially since it had its big update in 2016, I think it was. Hulk, I love Hulk. I absolutely love the Hulk coaster. I think it's great. Love it, Hulk. Love it. I do. I do. I, I love it.
the opening launch is Strong. just incredible. It really is great. I think, like on paper, the Velocicoaster launches should be more intense because they're faster and there are more of them, and you're not going from a uh, a stop start if you like. You know, Hulk, you're pretty much zipping straight out of that from the very off with a launch. Whereas Velocicoaster, on both occasions, you kind of build up to it a little bit more. Yeah. But there's just something about how Hulk launches you out of that tunnel uh, with yeah. the fog effects and the and the music and the fact that you go straight into that inversion and then that enormous loop. And then Over the, lake. It, the, the opening sort of the opening half of that ride is is just phenomenal and as your first ride of the day it's such a wake-up call you know you come off that like pumped and ready to go and uh, the great thing in a way about the fact that everyone is rushing off to do Velocicoaster and Hagrid these days to start is that if you could feed you could do you could do Hulk like three four times if you wanted to and feel like you're not really losing any time especially if you do it as a single rider that is Hulk is absolutely one of the best bangs for your buck in terms of a single rider line it's very fast moving and efficient especially compared to like the Velocicoaster one as perhaps we'll get to a bit later so my, yeah I, I love I love Hulk Josh it's it's damn I good my issue with Hulk is where they put the metal detector if you're in right. that if you're in the outdoor queue which I have been a couple of times then halfway through they do the metal detector and I don't know, you've got a loose coin in your pocket, but you've got zipped pockets, so it doesn't actually matter. And they still get angsty about it, and then you have to, like, figure all that stuff out, and it's like... Then you're trying to wave to someone who's not on the ride from your party to try and get them to come over so you can hand stuff to them, and it's... It just It, it mainly depends on who's on the metal detector at the time, but uh, it's a, it can be a frustrating one. It can be, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're fortunate in that... Um Mum is a is a non rider when it comes to Hulk, so we <laughs> we just sort of give her absolutely everything, and she walks off like some sort of pack mule to wait for us. Like she's got everyone's phone, everyone's hat, everyone's sunglasses. Yeah, <laughs> she sort of carries everything off. And I was very fortunate as well uh, that the day I ended up coming to the to the Universal Islands by myself. Everyone else was incapacitated by non-COVID uh, colds. Uh, I met up with Pastor John, and uh, he, by the time I'd met up with John, he'd already done Hulk about five times that morning. So <laughs> he uh, he looked after my stuff while I went and did it. So I never gent. had the metal detector issue. What a gent indeed, yes. Um, and, and it is an absolute banging ride. And, you know, followed by the other two rides, that, or the two main big rides I guess main attractions of uh, that Marvel area of Doctor Doom 3, 4 and Spider-Man absolutely Doctor Doom much like Tower of Terror still gets me even though I've done it so many times now and really shouldn't be caught off guard by the way it launches you skyward at the start but it really does get me it, it, it's a real rush by Doctor Doom uh, is good fun and it just makes you realise how sort of unless you obviously really love the comic books I would assume Fantastic Four is uh, still a big part of what Marvel do these days I might be wrong about that I don't know but 
you know, if you're a slightly more casual fan who relies on other media for your Marvel fix, namely the movies, TV, I don't know, maybe video games, Fantastic Four have kind of been forgotten about. And it's a shame because Doctor Doom is a great villain. And I'm reminded of that whenever I do this ride, because when it first opened, I feel like Fantastic Four were a much bigger deal, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s. As bad as those Fantastic Four films were, and there were some bad Fantastic Four video games, they were at least a little bit more present in pop culture than they are now. They were cartoons uh, as well, right? Yeah, there was a Fantastic Four cartoon and they rocked up in the Spider-Man animated show a few times. It was it was good. It was a good time to be a Fantastic Four fan. Whereas, yeah, and like I say, Doctor Doom was always a great villain. So, I, you know, at a time where the MCU is feeling a little bit aimless to me, I, I feel like Doctor Doom has real strong potential as a kind of villain to build up to. So, I, I hope, I hope they end up doing that because he he's got the clout that I think is is needed uh, for the MCU to start feeling like it's got a bit more direction. But let's not get into that. Yeah, Doctor Doom's still great, is it? I mean, I assume Tower of Terror is your sort of drop tower of choice, but Doctor Doom is is up there, I, I would assume. It's got that unique, slightly unique uh, element compared to other drop towers in that the real thrill is the going up rather than the coming down. Yeah, I think I think this is probably... This is top three, I think. Uh, maybe maybe top four. Oh, yeah. Um, Drater, the one at Drayton Manor, which, well... That was a Drayton Manor. It goes uh, at the end of the season, I believe. That's probably my my number two currently. Okay. Um, obviously, that will drop off. Um, but the one, uh, controversially, I don't know, maybe, uh, the one at Movie Park Germany is also uh, very enjoyable. Oh, the stand-up one. The stand-up one, which is Drayton, the one I did at Drayton Manor is also a stand-up one. Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah, it's Tower of Terror for me. It's King of the Drop Towers, always will be, I think, but... Yeah, yes, Doctor Doom is... It's like almighty Gus, really. Hell yeah. King of all the playground. Spider-Man, though, Josh, oh, uh, still maybe... Still probably my favourite ride in Marvel Superhero Island. Again, much like Hulk, since they gave it that that visual upgrade, it, it's really given it a new lease of life, mm. and it does not feel at all like a ride that's pushing twenty five years. It's uh, it still feels very modern, and I think unless you're thoroughly bored of the kind of storyline, and it's hard to imagine ever getting tired of this. To be honest, I, I still absolutely love it. I can recite the whole thing better than I can. Any other thing, park ride. My sister and I have an absolute blast just narrating the whole damn thing and probably annoying everyone else on the ride, especially <laughs> anyone who's doing it for the first time. But I can't, I can't help myself. They, they just shouldn't be out there, Josh. Crime reports are up all over the city, and and I'm starting to get worried. So, right, so yeah, people just need to be aware of these of these issues that are out there. Those yeah. damn criminals. I think this might be. Well, I think it almost certainly is. Top three for me at Universal, full stop. Uh, obviously, I haven't done... I personally haven't done mm. Velocicoaster or um, Hagrid's Word Soup, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, out of yeah. out of all the other rides, barring those two, I think this is top three. Hagrid's Word Soup is a great 
a great name for that ride. Hagrid's word soup. Hagrid's dropped his alphabet spaghetti. <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah. and where is uh, Hogwarts word soup? Oh, that's in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter dash Hogsmeade. Spider Man top three for me is it? Ooh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's I was thinking about this, and you know, now, now that you've put it out there, I'll I'll raise it here. Uh, Islands of Adventure, I think, in terms of you know, is it is it my favourite theme park? Does it have the best rides? I think it's got the most absolute bangers, Josh. <laughs> like, if I was rating rides out of ten, it's got more rides that are like at least an eight, maybe, than any other park, or at least like the the proportion of its rides that are an eight or above. Yeah, is very high. There's there's because no obviously somewhere like here. there aren't really many duds, are there? Really, no. I mean, the three rides we've mentioned so far are all fantastic in their own way. Yeah. Popeye and Dudley Do are sort of top tier so far as their respective brand of water rides go. I think Jurassic Park is in desperate need of some TLC. I I personally think that, I I mean, I love it. You know, I love Jurassic Park and, you know, I will, it pains me to speak ill of the ride in any way. Here we go. But, you know, I... I'm saying it. Be- I'm saying this because I care, Josh. I'm yeah. saying this because I love Jurassic Park. But if the Mummy was considered to have got to a point where we need to shut this thing down and you know spend the best part of a year fixing it up, I mean, I don't know what state the Mummy was in by the time they made that decision. But Jurassic Park this year, when I did it, was in a worse state than I've ever seen the Mummy in. I would suggest. You know, there were some dinosaurs that just weren't moving, some dinosaurs that even though they were moving just looked very, well, some of them looked drunk, to be honest. (laughs) The brachiosaur that you see at the very start uh, where he sort of, he's meant to look like his, his, his face is down in the water and then his neck kind of cranes upwards. Yeah. He almost did it in like installments. It was so juddery. Oh, no. It looked like a stop motion film. <laughs> there was one occasion we did it where the gates, the Jurassic Park gates, were just open. So they they didn't they weren't closed and then opened as you got close. Oh, they were just open, man. so you could see off in the distance the brachiosaur with his neck craned down. <laughs> it was almost like is it do, is it my go yet? Am I on? <laughs> it's like not- we can see you. We could. Do the thing. We could see you already. The bit with the uh, with the crate when you go into the Velociraptor cage for the first time, and there's the crate shaking above you. Oh yeah, and then it drops. Uh, that was just already in the drop position, so that wasn't doing anything. Great. Uh, the yeah, you d- you don't get spat at. It was all. It, it felt a little bit yeah, like this thing needs to be closed down and uh, and have some love. And some money put yeah. into it, yeah. It you know, like I say, I love Jurassic Park, so to an extent, Tom, it's 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 basically got to be on fire for me to not find some enjoyment in it. I'm going to say something but, controversial here. Oh boy, uh, I I'm going to say that Jurassic Park the ride needs the Jurassic World makeover that or uh, that uh, California got. <laughs> Yeah, I could. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't necessarily argue with that. Based on what I've seen of that online, that does look like a fantastic upgrade. I mean, I really don't like Jurassic World. No, I'm not coming yet here from an angle that I like Jurassic World. Far from it. But uh, mm. yeah, that that ride does look 
pretty great as an upgrade. It does. It does. I mean, I suppose you could argue that if it if if I if I'm correct and it needs to go down and they need to put some serious love into this and and re refresh it, revamp it a bit, then maybe you may as well do the Jurassic World upgrade. But I guess it depends, right? Like, how much does it cost to kind of make this ride feel modern again? Get it back up to kind of opening day standards. Yeah, so, how much does that yeah. cost versus how much would it cost to Jurassic Worldify it? And make how much? Jurassic what's the Park, difference there? The ride modern again. Great. Yeah, make slogan. Jurassic Park River Adventure great, great again. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, the the standard of Jurassic Park hats uh, was very high at Islands of Adventure on this particular trip. So, uh, you know what they say: with great caps comes great responsibility. Yes, indeed. How did we get onto this? We were talking about rides that are like yeah. eight out of tens and above. Yeah, Just, Jurassic Park River Adventure traditionally an eight out of ten ride. Yeah, I think right now it it is not. Uh, uh, no, and instantly yeah. on the great Jurassic Park caps, I met Christopher Lloyd wearing my Mister DNA cap. Oh, that's excellent. Did yeah. he? Did he clock? Did he clock it at all? Did he know? Uh, again, he literally said no words to me, so I have no clue. Was it even him? Do you can you can you be sure that it even was Christopher it Lloyd? Was, it was definitely Christopher Lloyd. Anyway, uh, so what, what we've done, Marvel, Josh. What what next? Uh, well, that's the question. That is uh, for so for me. Usually, Toon Lagoon is the next stop, getting absolutely soaking wet. But what comes next for you uh, in these uh, modern times of new rides, Tom? Are you are you skipping over Toon Lagoon so you don't get too wet too early? And moving on to Skull Island and Jurassic Park, or are you are you doing the water rides while you're here? No, we skip over Toon Lagoon. No one else really has much interest in getting soaked. You know, they're rides we've done before, and they're great. And I I did I did end up doing Dudley Do, so I may as well quickly touch on it. I suppose people may remember last week if you listened to the Universal Studios trip report, I went on Transformers, and on one occasion it broke down while I was on it, and they gave me a fast pass to use as a as a kind of make good. And on the final day at Islands Islands of Adventure, which was emotional stuff, Josh. So just to frame it for people, we had gone to Universal Stroke Islands on May the third, and this was the day where, again, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that my sister and I stayed the whole way. And we stayed for the firework. And then, of course, the following day was May the 4th, which was when we went to Hollywood Studios again. Trip report available, if you'd like. And so May the, May the 5th was, uh, was kind of just going to be... That was the last full day. May the 6th is the day that we fly back home. So May the 5th was the last full day, and it was basically intended to be a relax around the pool day. Not really much else to it. But we woke up, my dad threw a bit of a curveball at us and was like, we've only done Velocicoaster once, let's go, let's go do it again. Yeah, and my sister unfortunately wasn't feeling great, so it was just me and my dad and my mum. And so this was the day that I used the Fast Pass to do Dudley Do, and I did it by myself. And uh, it was a good Fast Pass to use, let me tell you, because it doesn't make much sense. It feels like a bit of a waste to use it on something like Hulk or Spider-Man because you've got pretty efficient single rider cues for those anyway. Yeah. It felt a bit weird to you. I mean, Harry Potter, for example, in the Forbidden Journey, I really like that ride, but I don't know. It feels a bit weird to do that on your own. Yeah. And to be fair, so does Dudley do, but I hadn't done it. It doesn't have a single rider cue. It was swelteringly hot on this particular day and the standby line was an hour. 
Oof. So in terms of getting the best or getting the most out of a fast pass or an express pass, as they call it, uh, this was actually a very good choice because I essentially walked straight on to Dudley Do uh, and was by myself and I was with part of a group who had split up across two logs and uh, yeah, I got absolutely soaked, um, especially from sort of the uh, the six pack down. I was absolutely drenched. I got off relatively late from. <laughs> no, I'm talking about my incredible muscles. Oh, sorry. Uh, from sort of the neck up, I got off relatively lightly. I, I was behind a slightly larger uh, person, I would say, and, mm. and I seem to have been quite well protected by that. But, uh, you know, the water obviously does, especially before the final drop, is primarily coming in from the sides. So your uh, your legs, your lap, your feet, are basically completely exposed and <laughs> they were absolutely drenched. But yeah, I've definitely come off that ride a lot wetter, but I was still pretty wet and I enjoyed it. Unlike River Adventure, this ride did actually look like it may well have had some TLC in the not too distant past. Like nice. the models, for example, look like they must have had a, a fresh coat of paint not that long ago. They were all looking very bright and colourful and very saturated. And, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by uh, what good shape Dudley Do and Friends seemed to be in. And, uh, yeah, that final drop is still absolutely insane. It, it's, a, it's a great it, it's drop. It's very high, very steep, and, yeah, very fun. I, I very yeah. much enjoyed that ride. I did not, however, do Popeye at any point. <laughs> Two things while we're here. I have also uh, done... Dudley Do writes as a single rider. Uh, back in 08, a long time ago now, we were queuing up and we didn't quite realise there was a single rider line, but we was queuing up in a group and a staff member came along and was like, hey, we got. does anyone want to go as singles? We've got a single rider line. We're, look, we're crying out for singles right here. And I was like, look, love, I am single right now, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, but then we all joined the single queuing line anyway and we were, we were on like that, just like you, straight in, straight on. Straight out. Uh, great ride. I quite like... The, I don't know if you've ever heard of the original idea for this ride, Tom, that it was going to be a two-by-two uh, two setup, so he was going to have rows of two, and then at that drop, just before that big drop, it was going to saw the boat in half and go down as two separate logs. Yes, I have heard of this because, I mean, that is essentially why it was called the Ripsaw Falls. Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, it never had that element. And uh, so the name it doesn't necessarily make a great deal of sense. But you can kind of tell still yeah. that that must have been something that they dropped very late in development. Yeah, still got the two drops, uh, still got two unloading areas. So it all, it all makes sense that that would be a thing. But unfortunately, uh, no dice. Uh, no, I, I don't suppose it's ever something that they could retrofit. I mean, obviously, they're never going to do it. It's been over 20 years now. Yeah, I guess but. the whole... The the track before that point, I feel, would have to be widened for a bigger boat. Yes, actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, mm. But there you go. Uh, Bilge Rat, though, is also in my top three at Universal. Oh, wow. You yeah. just love to get wet. I, I goddamn love this ride. It's, uh, you know, 
people were kind of like, oh, rapids, am I going to get wet on this one? It's like, damn right you're going to get wet, and I'm here for it. Yes, uh, it's a very fun ride to watch. There are some great vantage points from which to observe people getting absolutely soaked. And that ride has absolutely no mercy. Like There is no chance that you come off that ride anything other than drenched. Yeah. Because there are multiple points where the designers of the ride were clearly thinking to themselves, well, there's a chance that certain people, based purely on the trajectory of the of the raft there's a chance that certain people might have got off somewhat (laughs) scot-free yeah like the rapids themselves may have splashed the guests in a way from a direction from an angle that means one or two might be not completely soaked and therefore we will literally have an enormous bucket (laughs) that will just pour water upon them all and there will be no one who comes away dry. I've uh, got a lot of time for that. There was uh, one time, my mum is not a water ride person. One time we convinced her uh, to get on it. I think it was in 2015. We were like, look, we're never coming back to Disney. You might as well do it now so you know you can say you've done it. And it was the wettest we've ever got on the ride. And, of course, you've been back since and we are going been... back again this year. So yeah. you just told an absolute barefaced lie. Absolutely. Um, and she was absolutely livid. She was like, right, that's it, I'm going home. Give me the car keys. It's like, Mum, you're not legally allowed to drive over here. You're not insured. And two, <laughs> no, you're not going home. Cheer up, we're at a theme park. Dad, Dad put, like, 20 bucks into the uh, dryer machine to get a dry... Uh, 20 bucks and we, we got there in the end yeah no they are they are good fun there's no doubt about it and like i say they are among the most enjoyable rides to watch as well yeah. as actually ride if you do build at first then you're like well i'm soaking wet anyway i might as well do dudley do right and then i might as well do the river adventure i ha- you know i can't get any wetter and the river adventure is a ride you know just to go back to that briefly where your mileage really can vary. You know, it's not inconceivable that you come off that ride with a decent soaking, actually. You, you can get pretty pretty wet on the Jurassic Park River Adventure. You can also come off with a very light splash. So, it, as I say, your mileage can vary quite enormously. I, I would perhaps even suggest that I can't really think of another water ride where it's so variable as to how wet you're going to get. It's very, very. It's yeah. kind of impossible to tell uh, until you've you're off the ride how wet you're going to get on yeah. Jurassic Park. It, it really depends on which row you're in, whereabouts you're in on the row, how big is the person in front of you. I think that plays a big part. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah how many adults in the boat to judge? Yeah. Mm. Two lagoon. If you're not getting wet, head here. Hundred percent. There's no better place other than an actual water park. Yeah, literally. If, if Volcano Bay is f- fully booked, uh, Toon Lagoon, hit it up. So as you skip over Toon Lagoon on these on these on these trips, obviously you didn't that that one time. Uh, do you head to the area named after the one ride that's in it, aka Skull Island Rain of Calm? Yes, yes, I do. 
Which, yeah, as you rightly point out, it is a bit odd, isn't it? How uh, it is kind of sold as an island. Yeah. But it is literally just this one ride. And there's a little, there is a little kiosk outside with a little bit of Kong merch. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I like this ride a lot more than most people. I see some people put it in the same bracket as stuff like Fast and the Furious, which I think is absolutely insane. Uh, but even, you know, I think that is a relatively small number of people, but there aren't many that I see out there who speak particularly highly of it. It does feel like most people think this is kind of naff. And I have to say, I I do actually really enjoy Kong. Fair. There are... You just, for me, it's there is a slight, there is a bit of discipline to it. Where if you if you're sat on the edges, it is important that you don't look up or down. And you might say that is a flaw. And yes, it is. It is something yeah, of a flaw that if you look up or down, you can see where. Well, you can see where the screen stops and yeah. it breaks the immersion. I'm sorry, you could say that about almost any theme park ride in existence. There are. I, I hate to break it to you, but most dark rides, if you look in the wrong place, you can see a green illuminated exit sign. It's just, I'm, it's just the way it is, I'm afraid. And it might not be quite as egregious elsewhere as it in as it is on Kong. But I just think it's a bit of an odd thing to really vociferously hold against this ride because it's it's not it's not. A, it's not a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. And I think that, you know, when you're sat on the edge uh, and, and you are just looking straight uh, at the action, I think it's, it's, it's pretty well done, I think. I mean, I, I have come round to, I mean, I always traditionally, you know, when I first did this ride, I, I thought sitting on the far right was the <sighs> best place to be because I actually quite liked being closer to the screens and getting a better view of the action. And then, of course, if you're on that side as well, you're right up close to the Kong animatronic at yeah. the end. And uh, Jacob rees mogg uh, and uh, Boris Johnson. Uh... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Jacob rees mogg would be better placed in Jurassic Park, given that he is a dinosaur. Oh. <clears throat> Uh, but actually, I think being sat in the middle is is the best because from the middle you can't really see the bottom, the top and bottom of the screen where it breaks. And I don't know, it just feels like you're really in the thick of it a little bit more. Yeah. And whilst yes, if you when you look left or right, there are kind of people potentially in your way. Bloody it, people. It, yeah, it feels like you're in the midst of the action a little bit more, as I say, and. Um, or in a in a way, the fact that your view is potentially a bit more is a bit more obscured. I've kind of come round to the thought that actually that again kind of adds to the slight chaos of it all and the fear factor a little bit because mm. it's a little bit harder to see what's coming. And because I don't know. I I, I really I really like it. I I like the the way in which you kind of have to dart your head left or left to right to see what's coming when the when the T-Rexes are fighting one another on either side of the truck and then Kong comes and gets involved and I think it's good fun. I think people are, are very harsh on Kong. Uh Tom, I'm going to I'm going to say this for free. Um I think it's very disrespectful to put it in the same category as Fast and Furious, but I wouldn't put it far above that ride. I think it's Oof. it's it is a ride that is designed for a tram tour, and I you know I, I have no want for for that unless I'm on a tram tour. Um, I do think that uh, the entrance 
when it's not storming is excellent. That first entrance area is absolutely spectacular. The when you go outdoors and you come back in. But yeah, for the most part, I'm just I'm I'm okay with it until the very end when you see King Kong. I think that's a, that's a great part. And actually, one of the best parts of this ride is maybe the queue because the queue is really cool. Yeah, exactly. I think when you take the take the ride as a complete package from when you enter the queue to when you leave, I, I think it's really great. I, I really, I, I genuinely think this has been a, a strong addition to the park, and uh, I, yeah, I, I think people are harsh on it. That's all. That's all I could say. Really, you're right. The queue is fantastic. There's uh, yeah, the scare actors don't seem like they're a thing anymore. Unfortunately, understandably, obviously, I'm sure they were taken out for health reasons from covid i think even before then they'd become somewhat inconsistent i remember doing it you know a few years ago and i think they were having uh, issues there were days yeah probably i mean it is scary like it's very very dark dark. in in there and i think if there, there was a very quite sweet moment where there were two quite young kids who were kind of getting ready to go into the interior of the queue and uh, one of them was clearly not really in the mood. He looked pretty scared. And uh, the slightly older kid was like saying to him, oh, don't worry, he, he's, he's the good guy. He fought Godzilla. <laughs> I was, I was going to interject and be like, it's the wrong... Uh, actually, mate, that's the wrong... That's the wrong Kong. I think you'll find this is the uh, 2005 Peter Jackson's King Kong, not the uh, more more recent MonsterVerse version, actually. Actually. Uh, but that being said, Tom, uh, King Kong wasn't the bad guy in Peter Jackson's King Kong. He was just misunderstood. Oh, of course. I don't... I'm not disputing that. Yeah. Um, you know, some yeah. everyone has to go through their own hardships and... And classically, uh, we thrust our hardships onto other beings. Yes, indeed. Very profound. The queue, as you say, very scary. Also, the action on the ride itself, kind of brutal. Like, you know, there's that lady who shoots up the the big giant bat things. Uh, It's one of my favourite effects, actually, on the ride is when uh, she shoots them and then the people on the truck get sort of splashed as if it's like blood and guts Mm. being flown at you thrown at your face which is pretty gross uh, but then when king kong is fighting the dinosaurs he's straight up snapping jaws <laughs> this guy he's just it's brutal it's it, it's interesting because it's even though it's this it is the like peter jackson's king kong it, it feels like they've pulled elements from the uh the more recent one like those those fights right. i mean feel I, very uh modern king kong skull island or whatever it's called right I remember him snapping jaws in the Peter Jackson movie, don't get me wrong, but I think, you know, when you're a film, you can be slightly more confident that people of a certain age aren't necessarily going to be going in to see it. Whereas Mm. with the theme park ride, you've got to take into account that, hey, there might be a six-year-old kid on there. Maybe we don't snap the jaws here. Um, Nope, they do it. (laughs) Sound effects and everything. Savage. That six-year-old's probably watched the film. Has he, though? I mean, the 2005, Josh. This this ancient history, if you're six years old. Oh, I guess so, yeah. They've probably watched the more recent one, which is also has similar violence. Maybe. Anyway, yes, uh, here's me, the, the King Kong Defence Force. If, you, if you're with me, then uh, be with me. Going to get that on a tweet, T-shirt. At Park, Crush, at Park Crush Podcast. 
Uh, be with me if you're with me. If we, if, if you're we, with me, be with me. If we ever set up a, sh- uh, a shop, uh, King Kong Defence Forces uh, going to be one of them. Absolutely. What do you want to do next? What do I want to do next? That's a good question. Um, I don't. Yeah. I, well, we're we're kind of heading around this in a clockwise direction, other than River Adventure. But I'm gonna I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna tease uh, Velocicoaster, but I'm gonna save it uh, and okay. and head on through to Harry Potter's. Alphabet is spaghetti, which in itself is a mouthful. And uh, Hog- Hogwarts, Tom. Hogwarts. 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 Uh, yes, does, well, I, does it still hold up? Are the screens doing it for you these days? Not, not really. I, I still really like this ride. I think that, you know, the whole Cougaran thing, it's still very unique. There's nothing else like it. It's still great. The Whomping Willow sec- section in particular, again, it gets me in a way that it really shouldn't by now because I've done it so many times and yet I still feel kind of like I'm going to be thrown out of the ride vehicle. That is a great part. It, it It's great. And I think all the practical elements, you know, the bit where you come face to face with the dragon, the dementors, the spiders in the forest, mm. all of that, still great. I don't like spiders. Why did it have to be spiders? Why couldn't it be follow the butterflies? Uh, the spider bit still kind of freaks me out. The Dementor section where one of them comes up and sucks your soul and then your faces are projected on that sort of... Uh, in that kind of... It's, what, how, are they, how do they do that? They sort of project it's the a, faces onto... like a fog, onto, like a mist screen. Yeah. yeah, sometimes that wasn't really working, which mm, was a shame. That sucks. Uh, but by and large, it all still worked for me. Uh, yeah, the screens, again, a little bit inconsistent. I think some most of it looks okay still. There are the Hermione bits, you know, where Hermione just pops up somewhat <laughs> randomly, the bit where she throws flu powder at you, the bit where she's in the forest and yeah. being like, follow my voice. Uh, th- all that looks quite bad now, actually. And uh, the scenes right at the end where they're applauding you, I think basically when the screens are used very blatantly in conjunction with practical stuff, I don't think it holds up very well at all. So Hermione poking, you know, sticking her head up in the middle That's of the so forest and the sort of uh, the the cheering in the Great Hall at the end where these big screens are just positioned within, you know, a very beautifully recreated Great Hall set. I think... Some of that doesn't look great, but Mm. I think when you're just flying around and all you can see is a screen, I think it looks okay. I I, I forget whether they've upgraded these at any point. I did I genuinely forget. Maybe then they could already do with a bit of an upgrade. I I think I said this on the Animal Kingdom trip report. I mean, when I first did Flight of Passage a few years ago, I, I thought, wow, this looks incredible. And frankly, even already now, what, three years past that point, having now done Rise of the Resistance, yeah. which, as I s- said on the Hollywood Studios trip report, has just like the screen stuff on that ride is just like pin sharp, crystal clear, phenomenal. Even Flight of Passage is looking not not blurry, not not dated necessarily, but it didn't look quite as crystal clear as I remembered and I think for, I think Forbidden Journey is is even more in that camp. 
So I think, again, perhaps it could do with an upgrade in the not too distant future. But hey, look, I still like this ride again. And I think the, the queue is is outstanding. Uh, and I think it's all the more appreciated how great the queue is. The theming going through Hogwarts. It's so good. Crystal uh, it's all the more appreciated quality. because the queue for Hagrid and the alphabet soup is actually quite boring to be honest for l- large long periods it's quite bland and forgettable and yeah we found ourselves especially because those queues as I say get quite long I think the longest we queued for Hagrid so on on both we did Hagrid twice on both occasions we went up and did it at around sort of midday one o'clock something like that mm. by which point on both occasions we were queuing for just over an hour and uh yeah we found ourselves coming up with dumb games to pass the time because a lot of that queue is outside with not a lot going on it it feels like a longer queue than i think it even is because there are a lot of going back there's a lot of going back on yourself within the same room you know once you do get inside and then something i didn't realize because i never saw it with my own eyes but there is a there is a quite a big sort of what feels like a holding room within the queue where there is a big old screen uh it's meant to be sort of Hagrid's hut and it's just Fang the dog kind of pacing back and forth but nothing else to it and I we thought at the time that we saw this like that's a bit weird that (laughs) they'd have this big old screen that just is just a dog yeah uh, as it turns out, that's actually a proper like little scene is meant to play with Hagrid and Arthur Weasley. Oh, and for whatever reason, it was turned off every time we did the ride, and I don't know why. Have you Maybe seen it since on YouTube? Crowd management. I have, yes. Uh, so I saw not long after we got home, someone tweet and say, "Oh, the the pre-show scene is back." So it had obviously been gone for a while, and they've decided to bring it back. I don't know if it's just to kind of keep the queue moving a little bit, you know, not have people stop in that room to watch it. Mm. But yeah, it maybe would have livened things up a little bit. There, there wasn't much to it otherwise, to be honest. That's a shame. But uh, but the ride, Josh, oh. is pretty phenomenal. Is it actually? It really is. Yeah. Oh boy, it's very good. Yeah. So I did it twice. So for people that don't know, the coaster is made to look like Hagrid's magical bike. So uh, it's two by two by two by two by two. They're quite long trains, actually. Uh, But the person on the right is on the bike seat. Uh, You don't have to sit on it like a bike. You can just sit up straight like you're on any other roller coaster. But the handlebars are there and it's absolutely kind of encouraged, frankly. And I would absolutely recommend that you lean into it like you're on a bike. The person on the left is in the sidecar. So I did it both times. I did it twice. So I got to do both. And on the bike, I leant into it so hard and was so like, you know, into it. Yeah. That you, I mean, I've got a problem, as we know, with ride photos. I have basically no neck strength it's whatsoever. Incredible. And I cannot keep my head back on these rides. And so in quite a lot of ride photos, you can really only see the top of my head. Anyway, on this Hagrid ride photo, it literally looks like there is nobody there. There's like a ghost. (laughs) I'm leaning so far forward to 
hold on to these handlebars and really sort of turn. It just feels so much more fun to kind of veer into the corners and the it. turns, you know, lean into it. And uh, and I'm lin- I am so into it that you cannot see me. It's very funny. That is, that is uh, great. But yes, uh, it's a phenomenal. It's a phenomenal roller coaster. It really is. The theming is is really on point. So you know, some great animatronic work and special effects. There's a, there's a Hagrid. There's a unicorn. There's uh, Fang, the three headed dog, or Fluffy rather. It's Fluffy, the three headed dog. Fang is the normal dog. Yes. Uh, you've got uh, multiple launches. So uh, we just got back, of course, from Fantasialand, where we did Taron. I believe people had drawn comparisons in the early stages of Hagrid when we you know, didn't know everything about it yet, that Taron might be a point of inspiration in terms of that being like a multi-launch coaster that that's quite sort of close to the floor, uh, lots of tight turns, isn't necessarily relying on sort of big inversions or corkscrews or things to really uh, kind of knock people off their feet. It's just, yeah, it's just multiple very intense launches. And Hagrid's very similar to that. And what's very striking about it as well, by the way, is unlike Velocicoaster, which we'll talk about, as you say, you've you've teased that, um, which is beautifully, has been beautifully placed within the waterfront and the Jurassic Park Discovery Centre, the way it's been bedded into that split that space is just fantastic it's one of the most photogenic roller coasters i've ever seen but hagrid has been designed and this is kind of a requirement as uh, so far as the contract they've got uh, is concerned jk rowling apparently very insistent on things like this you basically cannot see it you can't see hagrid's magical creatures what's it's basically anywhere until you get into the queue uh, no, I know, right? You can't see Hagrid's What's It for no love nor money. <laughs> it's impossible. impossible. Uh, it's quite cool, actually, because all you really get is that, you know, you're walking through Hogsmeade, which is very loud and crowded and bustling as well. But very occasionally you might be able to hear, like, the roar of the motorcycle. Ooh. And then when, when, once you get into the queue, uh, at the very beginning of the queue area, you can kind of see it there out in front of you and you know, parts of the track and multiple tracks, trains, sorry, whizzing around at high speed. But then for the majority of the queue, really, you, you again can't see it. So it's completely hidden from view. It's very impressive. That is cool. Uh, but again, it means that, you know, you're very close to the ground. And I think that adds to the sense of speed, actually. Uh, yeah, these launches are intense. And for something that's billed as a family coaster, it is not messing around. It is not messing around. And uh, it's absolutely one that feel, feels like one of the most kind of intense, thrilling roller coasters at any of these Florida parks, for sure. That's cool. And I think what really just makes it special is that, especially the first time you do it, you just don't know what's coming up next. You know, there's just so much going on. You've not only got these incredible launches, but again, you've got these kind of show scenes with, you know, animatronics and whatnot. You've got a very, very long backward section where kind of the track runs out in a similar way to how it does on Expedition Everest. Mm. And then you you fall backwards and go for quite some time, very fast, backwards. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you've got a bit where you end up in the, in the dark, almost kind of pitch black, um, and you are essentially meant to be kind of trapped in Devil's Snare. Devil's so Snare, Devil's Snare. For people that maybe don't, don't remember, this is... Uh, uh, from the Philosopher's Stone, 
um, when they're trying to get to uh, the Philosopher's Stone, I guess, right? I mean, I forget how the end of that goes, but there's a bit where they end up trapped in like these vines, Devil which, snare. Are, which yeah. is called Devil Devil's Snare. Hermione can't remember it first either. You have to say a spell to get it to re- like relax and release you. Um, I think it's uh, just so you, a, you need to stop struggling, I think, is the thing, right? I can't remember, but I seem to recall that I something think, happens on the ride anyway to get it to relax. Because right. Hermi- Hermione and Harry stop struggling and, it, and they fall through, but Ron keeps struggling and then Hermione has to do a spell to help Ron out. Right. That, yeah, that sounds right. So I think that's what happens here. Hagrid casts a spell, and um, yeah, the 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 roller the, the roller coaster train. There's a drop track essentially, and uh, yeah, you you quote unquote fall through the devil's snare, and end up on a different section of track, and then you 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 zoom off towards the kind of finale where you see a unicorn. And... There's just so much to it. It's a long ride. It's constantly surprising. And as I say, there's just so much going on that that's cool. I get, it's one that you need to do multiple times to take it all in. That uh, that drop section that you mentioned with the Devil Snare for those that maybe haven't been to Florida um, and ha- haven't done this ride, but have done, uh, have been to Walton Towers in the UK. Um, it's a bit like thirteen, right? It has that which has a yes. certain drop element. I think thirteen was the yes. first place to have it in the world. Uh, and obviously, naturally, America goes bigger with it. Yeah, it's very much like that. And uh, you don't necessarily, you know, because it's not it's not a drop tower or anything like that, it, it kind of catches you off guard. Uh, yeah, similar to how it does on, obviously, again, a very different type of ride, but Rise of the Resistance has a, a drop as well, which is very similar in that it's like, well, I didn't know this was this type of ride, you know. Yeah. So it catches you off guard all the more. And... Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal ride. It's the type of thing that you just have a smile on your face the whole time because you're just waiting to see how it pulls the rug out from under you next, you know? It's, uh, yeah, they've outdone themselves with that. I think it, it was, I had very high expectations and I think it beat, beat them. Wow, that is high praise indeed. Yeah, it's definitely the most popular ride at the park. There's no doubt about that. Because it's got that it, double attack think, right of being a great ride and also being Harry Potter. Yes, and I think as Pastor John put it when uh, we did the episode while we were both out there, he described it kind of as Universal's Rise of the Resistance in that, yes, it's very popular, it's very high-tech, it's based on a popular franchise. Uh, and the fact that it is very high-tech does in some ways count against it because it, it, it there are lots of things that can break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So it's the ride there that kind of has high breakdown potential, uh, which can also m- contribute to some of those long wait times. But uh, yeah, I can't really speak highly enough of it purely as a as a ride. It's it's very very good, top tier. Um, well, I guess uh, that that's kind of. Did you go? Did you wander through the streets of Hogsmeade here? Yeah, a little bit. I got a frozen butter beer here and, uh, you know, that was quite enjoyable. We did the Hogwarts Express in both directions. Always find that quite good fun still. Your sister did a better impression of uh, Emma Watson than the person they employed to do Emma Watson. 100%. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
Yeah, Hogsmeade is crazy. I mean, as I said about Diagon Alley on the last episode, that's the closest you get to feeling like you're in a Disney park because it is just, you can't move, really. I mean, it is so, so busy. But, uh, yeah, it's busy for a reason. It is a popular franchise and they've really done it justice. As we all know, the, you know ever since it opened, Hogsmeade's been a phenomenally well-themed theme park area. And uh, now that there is yet another top-class ride to do there, it's, uh, there's all the more reason to hang out in Hogsmeade. For sure. It's uh, a very attractive destination indeed. Gonna have to get out. I'm going to have to get out there do this uh, yeah, alphabet man. spaghetti motorbike, you know. Next, I guess, then, in our clockwise way we're going around now, is uh, your mate, the Mystic Fountain. Did you uh, say hello? <laughs> no, I didn't, no. I mean, so for people that don't know, I had an absolutely legendary uh, conversation experience with the Magic Fountain when I was probably about eight years old, and my sister and I just got absolutely wrecked and rinsed, uh, literally, by the Magic Fountain uh, maybe the most uh, soaked I've ever got at that park outside of Popeye. It was uh, it was great, it, and I've never really wanted to go and chat to him again because it will never be as good. It's true. So I did not talk to the Magic Fountain. We did not do Poseidon. We didn't really do anything in the Lost Continent. I walked around as I always do, thinking this is one of the most beautiful photogenic thing park lands around. I really want them to knock it down. <laughs> and do something else uh, that is more interesting and maybe has a ride. I don't know. I know. Weird thing to say, Josh. I think that this thing park land could maybe do with a ride. Bold. Uh, but yeah, at this point, I feel like if you're not just, if you don't feel like just extending Harry Potter, then yeah, do something else with it. You know, I know there are these rumours, aren't there, that this might be the Zelda space eventually. Mm. Yeah. But it feel yeah that's a long way away so it seems like this is just going to be this is just going to be what it is for for the foreseeable Fair. and you know that's fine i guess cuz it it feels like a bit of a release coming out of hogsmeade you kind of you kind of exhale yeah, right yeah. when you reach oh. the lost continent you're like oh, oh god thank god we're out yeah blue hell you know yeah and it's like worth noting as well that they, you know, Lost Continent is home to the world's best theme park restaurant for about 94 years running, yeah. according to that banner that's hung up outside. So, you know, the there's that. I've never been in. <laughs> no. Mythos, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't know what it's like. Never been in there. Couldn't even tell you what it looks like inside, let alone what the food's they had, like. Uh, they had a little Mardi Gras tribute store in Lost Continent when I was there. Oh, nice. Had some, yeah, had some fun stuff in there to buy. Uh, but not really much else to report about the Lost Continent, to be honest. Fair. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's Zeus Landing Zeus next, Landing, right? Which, yeah. uh, favorite yeah of all the lands i love i love Lu i love zeus landing i i unironically un love zeus landing i really like the zeus trolley train car this is it's very inefficient in terms of loading people on must be one of the most inefficient rides in the park yeah the queue times always seem obscene but if you can catch it at a low point like 15 20 minutes or less yeah it's it's fun it's fun enough. You get some really nice views of the lagoon. Uh, I always like, uh, you know, much like the blue train, the, the Tomorrowland Transport Authority, going into restaurants and shops and things. I'm always game for a form of thing park transportation that does that. 
and this does that and it smells great because it kind of goes through that restaurant and there's that candy shop and you can mm. smell the toffee apples and that's all very nice indeed. That candy shop is good. Yeah. So, look, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I did some hot 4K uh, <laughs> POV action on that ride. I can't remember where it is. It might, might be on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram or maybe Twitter. It's one of them. <laughs> Somewhere. So, so, so I'm one of the four. We're, we're everywhere yeah. these days. It's, it's hard to keep up. It's, it, it sure is. So, yeah, I like that. I did one fish, two fish as well. Got off bone dry, listened to the, to what the lady was telling me. One fish, two fish, up, up, up. Red fish, blue fish, down, down, down. All that stuff. Smart. Low or high, you choose. Up to you now. That's how it goes, I think. But anyway, I paid attention. I didn't get wet. Fair. Makes sense. Did you go shout at Cat in the Hat for being uh, too unextreme these days? <laughs> I I sure did, yeah, absolutely. Damn uh, you, you know, cat in the hat. Cast member at the end of the ride gave me one of those forms to fill in. How's your day been? You having a good time? Any cast members you want to shout out? I was like, yeah, I do actually. Cat in the hat, what happened? This used to be second to Hulk for, <laughs> for extreme rides at this theme park, and now it's tame. What have you done? What have you done? Such a loser. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, we did it out of obligation. Yeah, it's got to be done. Yeah, I uh, I got yeah. a lot of time for the doing things out of obligation. Yeah, like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, at uh, quarter past ten at night, I guess. All right, well, Josh, look, I mean, you're going to take us back round to Velocicoaster. Yeah, but <sighs> but yes, but there's a very important thing we have to discuss. There absolutely is. Um, and there's it's no. The, it's the cookie. It's the cookie. It's croissant moon. Croissant moon cookie. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Still, still the the number one, the numero uno for thing park, casual thing park breakfasts. You know, eleven o'clock or so. Uh, and again, as I say, this was kind of like, you know, we do the Marvel Land, we do Kong, we do Jurassic Park, blah blah blah. We kind of do our lap of the park, our first lap. And we're round here again by kind of 11, half 11. We regroup with our de facto croissant moon breakfast. And I'm pleased to report that the chocolate chip cookie uh, that I have enjoyed every year since the park opened in 1999 is still there, is still pretty reasonably priced and is still an outstanding cookie. We have so. a winner. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, you know, it. I've missed it every. I've missed it every day since. It's understandable. <laughs> it's, uh, it will live in the memories for a long time. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you know, if it ever goes, if it ever goes or changes, you know, if it shrinks or becomes a different kind of cookie, I don't know. We'll, we'll have a I will be, I will be gen- I will be genuinely very upset. Yes, candlelit vigil, absolutely. Uh, another t-shirt. Candlelit vigil for the cookie. Make make 100%. the croissant moon bakery. Cookie great again. Well, hopefully it will never be necessary. It's true, you know. Yeah. I think they know they're onto a winner there. By the way, I just I love the Cross of Moon genuinely. I do also, even if you're not getting a cookie, really nice selection of pastries and sandwiches and croissants. Funnily enough, I always find the staff in there really lovely. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like intentional or what. I don't know. It always seems like an older demographic in terms of the staff. Like yeah. 
it's a good point. I, I, don't, I don't know why that is, but it, it just it's it that just is always the case in there, more so than anywhere else in the park. Like I feel like the people who are on the turnstiles at the front, uh, and then the people in the Croissant Moon are all like sixty plus yeah, for reasons I don't understand. Hats. But they're been, all they're all the just really nice. Yeah, maybe yeah, and you know very willing to adapt. Uh, what they've got on the menu, like you know, because every sandwich is blimmin' got cheese in it. But if you don't want it, they'll make you one fresh, and they'll just be like, "Look, it might take us a bit longer because we've got to go and make one from scratch, essentially." But sure, we'll do it for you. It's no problem. Yeah, it's all all very nice, friendly vibe. No, I'm not. I'm not here for that. Uh, I think uh, you should uh, just live with it. Eat the goddamn cheese. Eat the goddamn cheese. Yeah. Well. They love their cheese out there. They sure do. What can you do? Which is hilarious for people that don't eat real cheese. But uh, it, it's always funny to me how sometimes menus will literally describe it as fake cheese. Yeah, and I'm like, only in America. <laughs> All right, Josh. So uh, what are we doing here? We're bowing out with Velocicoaster then. Oh, I was just going to leave the park. I think you know, it's nothing more important <laughs> to talk about, right? So no, we've done the cookie. Let's go. Yeah. No, of course not. It's uh, it's the piece of the resistance, as they say. Actually, sorry, we will end on Velocicoaster because I want oh. to end on a high note, but something I do want to raise, Here and this go. is something that becomes increasingly egregious out. to me. It becomes increasingly egregious with every passing year as I become more entrenched as a sub-editor who oh. cares about grammar. Get the small Spider-Man being Spider-Man not being hyphenated in the car park <laughs> remains an absolute... Crime. It's a different which guy. Needs Tom. to be addressed. It's Spiderman. <laughs> Spiderman. Well, you know. Why? Why? Why would Spiderman be the car park guy if the ride is Spider-Man? They got it right there. It's There's just cousin. no consistency, Josh. It's his cousin. Well, who's written the style guide over there? It's, it's West That's Coast. What I want it's his know. West Coast cousin, Spiderman. Uh, is that what he's called it? Disney, Disney, California. Then is he Spiderman over there? Yeah, he's Spiderman over there. I, I have no clue. I, I doubt it, right? But uh, yes, yeah, yeah. anyway, like, yeah, they it need, is very. They... Um, this is going to sound harsh, but uh, Chinese knockoff, really, isn't it? It's like if you buy your bootleg Spider-Man merch off an Amazon third-party seller, yeah. you'd expect them there to not have the hyphen. Yeah. But this is a marquee thing, Park Josh. This isn't good enough. They need to sort it out. Sort it out, Universal. Sorted out. Yeah, you're going the right way about it to lose this contract. If Damn. I was Bob Chapek, I'd be ringing these people up. Like, send the boys. Excuse red. me. Yeah, you better hyphenate this damn Spider-Man car park, or we're going to rip up that contract and bring him over here. Well, respect the hyphen. Yeah, yeah. you're doing your boy a disservice, and actually, that's hundred uh, percent a way that we can legally rip up this contract. So, you know, put that hyphen in there, or we will rip this up. All right, now we can do Velocicoaster, Josh. Oh, okay. I've got if, that off my chest. If we have to. Yeah. Uh, Velocicoaster, Tom. Go on. Hit us with it. Ah, oh, it's pretty good, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh, you know, I, this is kind of... I don't want to say it's like... You know, I said about Hagrid, is it's kind of constantly surprising you. Velocicoaster is a bit overwhelming in the sense that it, it's it's so it's so it, you know there's no it just doesn't stop like 
Hagrid, I know I said it was somewhat overwhelming, you kind of need to do it multiple times to get the best out of it, but it does kind of, it does, you know, come to a crawl at points, it does slow down, there are points where you can kind of look around and take some of it in, even though the kind of high-speed coaster sections feel like a bit of a blur. Yeah. You do slow down and, can, you know, there's Hagrid and there's a unicorn, and oh, look, we're in Devil's Snare, and oh, look at this. But Velocicoaster, it's like... The only time it slows down and you have a chance to catch your breath is when you're going over the top hat, <laughs> however high in the air you are at that point, <laughs> having gone up it basically at 90 degrees and are coming back down the other side at the same angle. I mean, that just sums it up. The only point at which you can have a breather is when you're going over the top hat for, you know, the briefest of seconds. And then, you're, and then you're going down at ridiculous speeds again. And it... it it is an absolute trip. Like, I cannot stress enough how how much of a an out of body experience it feels like. You know, it's it's wild, and especially the first time I did it, like it it was kind of a blur. Like, I got off, and John was like, "So, what did you think?" And I was like, "I don't really know, to be honest." <laughs> Did I even did I even go on the ride? It was all just a kind of a blur. Uh, the second time I did it, I really did try to kind of try and take it in a bit more, and I think I think I did. So, like the first half of the ride, you're kind of whizzing around, kind of rock work, and there's some greenery. And by the way, the way the ride is kind of set within the land is really cool, right? So, yeah, w- mm. while you're walking through kind of Jurassic Park itself. Uh, you can see kind of these big kind of quote-unquote electrified fences, you know, essentially the raptor paddock. And there's a kind of similar effect to to kind of Hagrid in Hogsmeade. So when you're walking through Hogsmeade, you can't necessarily see the Hagrid coaster, but you can kind of hear it every now and then. It's kind of similar to when you're you're walking through Jurassic Park, there's kind of a similar effect there where you can't necessarily see the coaster track anywhere because it's hidden behind these enormous walls, but you can absolutely hear it now and then. It's not until you get out onto the waterfront that you can really see the coaster properly. And as I say, the way it's been bedded in there is absolutely phenomenal. And it's worth noting as well that the walk to Hogsmeade from Jurassic Park over that bridge is uh, is also all the more kind of exciting now because you've got Velocicoaster kind of barreling overhead. And mm. it's kind of crazy. And like occasionally you're kind of... You know, you're walking over what used to be a very serene kind of footbridge, right, to Hogsmeade, yeah. and now you're kind of hearing people scream for their lives. It's, it's kind of, it's uh, it's quite funny. But the uh, yeah, the first half of the ride, sorry, where you're kind of flying, a, you know, kind of quite close to the ground. This is where it feels actually. Again, I know we said Hagrid and Taron kind of have some similarities, but Velocicoaster feels a bit Taron-esque at the start as well because you're, you're flying around quite close to kind of rock faces and, and things like that. And also some Raptor models and, uh, you know, the, the sound system is, is similar to Hulk in that it's kind of blaring out this epic music whilst also sometimes roaring at you as you speed past these Raptor models. Mm. Uh but then when you hit the launch that takes you up into the top hat, that's kind of where the second half of the ride begins. And I think that's where a lot of the crazier manoeuvres are. So obviously you've got the top hat in of itself and you've got what they call the Mosasaur roll uh, when you do, uh, which you do over the water and get what feels like incredibly close to the water. And, uh, 
it's just a phenomenal, as I say, out of body experience of a coaster. It's 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 hard to describe because it's as I say somewhat hard to take in while you're riding it. Like the POV videos out there, which I thought would prepare me, really don't. Like they really don't. Oh wow! And yeah, I I didn't get to do it at the front, uh, but I did get to do it at the back and. The airtime that you get on the top hat at the back is it it's I don't even know if I I couldn't tell you if I liked it. I thought I was maybe going to die like your your bum is off the seat for an uncomfortably what feels like an uncomfortably long period of time. <laughs> You're like, I don't like this. I don't like this. You know, it's uh, it's one of those rides. You're, oh, wow. I would defy anyone to it. Not at least. At one point, even if only for a split second, make a very weird noise while riding. Like a sort of, I don't know what kind of noise it might be, but I wouldn't be surprised. Velocicoaster might well make you make noises that you've never made in your life and never will again. It's, uh. Wow. That, that sounds like my dream. It's crazy. Yeah, you know. Get yourself someone that can make you scream like Velocicoaster. That's all I can say. Mm. It's very good, Josh. And, uh,. The gift shop's good too. The gift shop's in the Discovery Centre and, as I say, well, some great caps. great caps. I got the Velocicoaster cap, which is a great cap. Uh, picked you up the Mr. DNA cap, which is a great cap. There were other great caps. I got a nice hoodie. Strong merch game in Jurassic Park. Now that Velocicoaster is there, they've they've upped it, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, uh, by the way, I should mention that the queue is, is also excellent. Yeah, I've There's heard some this. Fantastic but not, Raptor. At, not the single sorry, ride queue, right? No, so you miss out on a lot of it, actually, if you do the single rider. The single rider queue for this is a total waste of time. It is as long, if not longer, than the standby line a lot of the time because it's two by two on the coaster. It's uh, it's rare, frankly, that there's going to be an opportunity for a single rider, so the queue moves quite slowly. Uh, you, you miss out on a lot of it. And also that the lockers, rather than being uh, before you enter the queue, there are lockers uh, within the queue. So you'll queue up for a certain amount of time, then get to the lockers, at which point you could put anything that you want to away mm. and then continue on into the second portion of the queue. Now, the advantage is that if you don't have anything to put in the locker, which I never did because I just left it with someone else, uh, you can just walk straight through and kind of get in front potentially of a fair number of people if they've had to stop yeah. to use the lockers. Uh, it's actually tell a lie. I think the first time I did this when I was with John, I did have to use the locker. But the second time I did it with my dad, uh, we didn't need to use the lockers. So that was quite good. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, there are kind of there are two particularly impressive things about the queue. Uh, there are the Raptor animatronics. So they've got Raptors kind of um, with uh, muzzles on, if you like. Uh, and the nuance, I think, in the way that they move is super impressive. Like they're blinking and you can kind of see them snarling and you half expect to be able to feel the the breath coming out of their nostrils. You know, they're that convincing. And uh, it kind of emphasises even more the unfortunate state some of those river adventure animatronics are in Yeah, when you then see the raptors. Kind of the other cool part of the queue is when you get up to kind of the the more narrative side of it, where you know these big old screens with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character 
Claire and Chris Pratt's character, Owen, kind of talking about, like, so it's basically the concept of the ride is Jurassic World, much like the Jurassic World film, kind of the conceit is, oh, these darn kids, they've got bored of dinosaurs. What shall we do to excite them? And what they come up with in the film is, like, genetically, like, basically mutant dinosaurs, right? Yeah. Uh, what they come up with here is, oh, let's make, let's build a roller coaster inside the raptor enclosure, and uh, Claire's character is like, this is going to be great, blah blah blah, and uh, Chris Pratt's character is like, this is a terrible idea. So actually, as a setup, I mean, I feel similarly actually to to this as I do about the Transformers ride. Like the Transformers ride is the best way to experience a Transformers film, and I feel like Velocicoaster <laughs> with this sort of little five-minute spiel at the start with Chris Pratt yeah. is the best way to experience a Jurassic World <laughs> film. Like the kind of central c- conceit of Jurassic World being what happens when uh, people get bored of spectacular dinosaurs and it's left to uh, crazy business people to come up with a new idea to excite people. Uh, I don't need to see a two and a half hour movie about that. Yeah, of course. So I, I like I like the setup. I think it's good fun. Two absolute bangers when it comes to new coasters, Velocicoaster and Hagrid. I mean, that is some double, that is some double act, you know. Uh, yeah, it's hard to compete with uh, such a high level of coaster, really, or, or rifle stop. Yeah, it's crazy. I think you you could put either one of them in any other Florida theme park and they would make an incredibly strong case for being the best ride in that park. Like, it almost feels a bit unfair. Like, ah, oh, you know, maybe these are the two best rides in Central Florida and they're at the same park. It's almost <laughs> like, like cheating. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be wild but when it they makes build a me... new theme park. Well, exactly. That's what I was about to say, you know. Uh, if this is the level... If this is the level and they're, and they're taking all that they've learned and, and all the ways in which they've improved and gone gone up a gear within the existing parks and they're taking all that and building a new park from scratch, that is incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. For sure. Incredibly exciting. So, yeah, that's Philosopher. That's Islands of Adventure. Great rides, great cookie, great theme park. I guess uh, we can wrap up from there, Josh. Yes. That's, that's both Universal Florida Parks done. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, queries about this trip report or any others that we've done, get in touch. We are at Park Crush Podcast on Twitter. The email is podcast at parkcrush.com. We are on all the other socials as well. Uh, if you want to catch up on uh, my visits, Instagram, TikTok, etc., then links.parkcrush.com is the best place. In the show notes for this particular episode, I will put links to the Twitter threads that I did on each day at the park, as well as a link to the live stream that I was on uh, with Jeremy and John, uh, which we talked about last week, but that did include some Islands of Adventure, so I'll put that link in the description once again. Uh, As we said at the top, we are on Patreon. Uh, How do people find that, Josh? You can go to patreon.parkrush.com. You get... All of this content that we already provide you, um, plus some other bits that we've got in the works. And, you know, it's just like a little, you know, give back, I guess. If you like the content and would like to support us in some form, then we have three tiers. You can sign up to one or you can sign up to none. You'll still get all the con, all the content, honest. Cool. Uh, and of course, subscribe if you'd like, if you haven't already, on your preferred podcasting app. We are on all of them. 
Uh, and every episode is also available at parkrush.com. So uh, if you want to grab the RSS feed or whatever, if, you, if you're old school, then Hell that is yeah. the place to go for that. Okay, we'll be back next week with uh, another trip report from my Florida trip. With not too many left to do now. We've got SeaWorld and Bush Gardens, and uh, I, guess I did go to Discovery Cove. Maybe we'll do one on that. We'll wait and see. But it will be SeaWorld or Bush Gardens next week. Uh, we'll let you know in the week what we've decided. So until then, stay safe out there, take it easy, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. See ya.